America is exhausted from being smeared as racist. They're tired of hearing that a wonderful country, the most free, just, equitable, affluent, and leisured in civilization's history, must continually pay penance for past and present sins. The public is tired of projectionist hypocrisy. Those who scream the loudest are usually the most guilty of woke crimes, according to Victor David Hansen. And what they blame you for is generally precisely what they themselves are practicing. The left, those that reject God and place their hope in the supposed innate goodness of man, destroy everything they touch. Ideas, cultures, societies, people groups, and particularly as we will consider in the following podcast, education. The following information that we'll be going through here at Vintage Broadcasting is provided through Epic Times by Mr. Alex Newman. I'm simply reading what he has written and adding some personal comments. Let me introduce you to a man whose name is recognized in select circles, but is not well known by the general public. He is a man to consider and has quite a bit to say. Alex Newman is an award-winning international journalist, educator, author, and a consultant who co-wrote the book Crimes of the Educators, How Utopians Are Using Government Schools to Destroy America's Children. He is the executive director of Public School Exit, serves as CEO of Liberty Sentinel Media, and writes for diverse publications in the United States and abroad. More than 85% of American children are being indoctrinated by radicalized government schools. Alex Newman reveals that our public educational system is not broken and in need of repair. It's doing exactly what it has been designed to do. He exposes the insanity that has taken over the public school system from the sexualization of children and the reshaping of values to deliberate dumbing down. Newman shows the truth about American education that many are unaware of, using peer-reviewed data and amply provided public information. He also gives us insight into what we, you and I, can do about it. Alex reaches millions of people every year with a message of faith, family, and freedom. He approaches his work with a biblical worldview and is considered to be among the top conservative minds in the world today. The following is a vintage broadcasting publication presented by Frank Goss. The following podcast is entitled Dewey's Dumbing Down of the American Children. This series is concentrated on the state of public education in the United States of America. Here's some facts I want to give you so that you might be made aware of exactly where things stand. In the United States, standardized tests are issued annually in our public school system. We're trying to get an understanding of how well our children are progressing and how far they're going in their ability to assimilate the knowledge that our teachers are providing and the curriculum is providing to their studies. These tests reveal that Americans, American students, are getting dumber and dumber with each passing year. The polls now consistently show that more than one half of young Americans today prefer socialism over freedom. 
and this obviously is not sustainable, at least if the United States is going to survive as a free market society. And if you stop and back up and look at our recent history, going back to the 60s, and you consider what our children have been taught, you will see that this dumbing down is not an accident. To solve this crisis, it's essential to have an understanding of where public schools came from and what existed prior to their establishment. After all, before proliferation of government schools, Americans were considered to be the best educated people on the planet. Just consider the Founding Fathers and the Federalist Papers. The Federalist Papers were written for the common man to understand what was going on in government. Have you tried to read the Federalist Papers? You start to get a sense of the level of education that once prevailed in America. The history of how the government was able to take over and the characters behind that effort is almost incredible. But many people don't understand it. They don't look at it. They have what's called a cognitive dissonance. They don't want to know too much because it will make them feel uncomfortable. Much of the shadowy story of American education, though, is barely known today. And even among educational experts, you mention some names and they don't know who they are. There's a problem, and potentially an existential threat. When examined honestly, the history of public education and a study of the key men who laid the foundation for the system that now exists reveals a long-term plan by people we call utopians. They have a long-term plan to totally reshape humanity and civilization along with collectivist lines. This agenda has been remarkably successful thus far, as the polling data shows. Everybody involved in education should know, either they didn't do know or should know, about John Dewey and Horace Mann. Of course. These two socialist luminaries are almost universally credited with having, with having created the modern public educational system here in the United States. Their backgrounds and views will be addressed in upcoming articles in this series on education. But the true story of government schools has its origin long before Horace Mann became the first education commissioner of the state of Massachusetts, with his radical plan to have the government take over education using the Prussian model. There was a little town called Harmony, Indiana, and it plays a large, large role in the history of our public schools. Before Horace Mann picked up the baton for education, the idea of New Harmony, the understanding of New Harmony remains not just obscure, but practically unknown. Were it not for the meticulous research of the late Dr. Samuel Bloomfield, a passionate educator who devoted 60 years of his life to studying education and the science of reading, it might still be awaiting discovery in dusty old libraries and universal archives in the United States and in Europe. A lot of people don't know about New Harmony. They don't know about a man named Robert Owen. The real story of government education can be, tra can be traced to a long forgotten communist commune in the state of Indiana that was called New Harmony and its eccentric founder. Established in the 1820s by a gentleman named Robert Owen, a Welch utopian who rejected Christianity and private property and the idea behind the settlement was, was to show that the world needed a collectivist approach to life, a, a collective approach to society. 
he wanted to show that collectivism was superior to individualism. Like the communist experience in the 20th century of Cuba, Zimbabwe, North Korea, the Soviet Union, and so on, New Harmony ended up, in a very short time, in disaster. Albeit not as bloody as the social experience of later years. Within two years of its establishment, though, everybody knew New Harmony was a failure. A miserable failure. The utter implosion of this experiment in collectivism, which preceded Karl Marx's The Communist Manifesto by some two decades, is the reason those early advocates of collectivism made the adoption of mandatory government schools for all children their top priority. The thinking was that the commune failed not because of anything wrong with communism or collectivism, but because the people living there had not been properly socialized or educated in order to be good collectivists or good communal living people from childhood. It was a new concept. Just like Marx and Engels would claim decades later, decades later, the Owenites believed that what was needed were government schools that would take over child rearing from the earliest possible ages. And so that became their sole focus. Among other ideas, Owen rejected the prevailing Calvinistic views of America in that area, in that era. This view, these views that held that man was innately depraved and that his heart was desperately wicked. Owen believed the reason men were evil, selfish, and individualistic, and even violent, was a result of their environment, their upbringing. It was not their nature. He believed human nature was essentially good, and that a collectivist education would help create what would later come to be known as the new Soviet man. Even before he set up New Harmony, Owen had well-developed ideas on the sort of education that would be needed to build his imagined utopia. He published some of his views on this subject in 1813 in a collection dubbed A New View of Society, or Essays on the Formation of Human Character. It follows, quote, It follows that every state, to be well governed, ought to direct its chief attention to the formation of character, and that the best governed state will be that which shall possess the best national system of education, Owen declared. Under the guidance of minds competent to its direction, a national system of training and education may be formed to become the most safe, easy, effectual, and economical instrument of government that can be devised. And it may be made to possess a power equal to the accomplishment of the most grand and beneficial purposes." End quote. Years later, Owen explained in his autobiography that his essays on education had been given to the King of Prussia by the Prussian ambassador. According to Owen's account, the Prussian ruler had so much approved of these ideas that he ordered his own government in Prussia to create a national education system based upon these ideas. And thus, the Prussian system of education, schooling of the state, by the state, for the state, was officially born. This Owen-inspired totalitarian model of education, which, which segregated children by age and coerced parents to surrender their children to the state for education, would eventually become the model for the state of Massachusetts and then the nation as a whole. The history would gradually be forgotten as the rotten fruit of the system began to undermine traditional American values and ideas. Long before the horrific communist slaughters and genocides of the 20th century, Robert Owen and his ideas found enthusiastic supporters among certain segments of the American elite. 
One of Owen's earliest disciples was a man named Orestes Brownson, a prominent New England writer and editor who became totally dedicated to the cause. Unlike Owen, who went to his grave passionately believing that simply getting control of the children through government schools would move so far towards producing utopia, Brownson eventually rejected the idea of collectivism, converted to Catholicism, and blew the whistle on the schemes of his former associates. He said the great object was to get rid of Christianity in society. Brownson explained in his writing an oration, an or, or, an oration on liberal studies after seeing the light. The plan was not to make open attacks on religion, although we might belabor the clergy and, and bring them into, into contempt where we could. The plan was to establish a system of state, we said, national schools from which all religion would be excluded, in which nothing was to be taught but such knowledge as is verifiable by the senses, and to which all parents would be compelled by law to send their children. Today, this is the norm, and it is backed by the force of law. But back in the early to mid-1800s, it would have been inconceivable to the average people. The first element of the plan Brownson revealed was to establish a system of government-controlled schools. For this purpose, a secret society of sorts was formed. Brownson continued saying the plan was to model it on the Carbonari, Carbonari in Europe. The Carbonari was a secret society in Italy. The members of the secret society were to avail themselves of all the means in their power, each in his own locality, to form public opinion in favor of state-run education at public expense and to get such men elected into the state legislatures as would be likely to favor their purposes. While Bronson didn't know how far the secret society's tentacles extended, he did know that a considerable portion of the state of New York was well organized. He knew that, he said, because he himself was one of the agents organizing it. By the very nature of secret societies, much of the history of this network remains concealed. But it's obvious that they found great success in advancing government schools. In less than 100 years, government education proliferated the United States as a nation. Now, what I'm wanting to explore here and to understand is why Rudolf Flesch would write a book called Why Johnny Can't Read and why America is being dumbed down year after year after year and still Johnny can't read. This is Frank Doss with Vintage Broadcasting. We do appreciate your participation in listening to our broadcast. We hope that it benefits you in some way and that you will continue listening in the days to come.